Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his uh, disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. So this next verse, Jesus had this on his mind. Jesus knew what the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and returned to God. So he got up from the table and took off his robe and wrapped a towel around his waist. We'll just stop right there at verse 4. So here is... uh, what is amazing. It's the last moments uh, that Jesus is having with his disciples. It's his last private moments that he's having. This is somewhere around a week before uh, Jesus is about to make his way to the cross. And so they decide, hey, we're going to do what any group would do and gather together for what has famously become known as the Last Supper. So he says, hey, let's just hang out. Let's get together. Let's, let's, let's have a dinner with all of us. And Jesus is just kind of thinking, and he's pondering in verse 3. He, he knows that, that he's from the Father. He's about to return to heaven, that he comes from heaven. He's going back to heaven. He knows that God the Father has given him all of the authority, all of the dominion. dominion. That's what is on his mind that he has, and the minions. Yeah, and, uh, and that's what is on his mind. And uh, so he's thinking about all of these things, and without even, I think, noticing, Jesus gets up, and he's thinking about, he's from the Father, and he's going to the Father, and he's got this incredible plan in front of him, and he just grabs a towel, and he gets a basin full of water. Now, if I'm a disciple, I'm getting pretty pumped at this moment, because I'm throwing it back to three years ago, when Jesus, in his first miracle, took a whole bunch of water, and turned it into a whole bunch of wine, right? So if you're like a disciple, you are like looking, you're like, oh, Jesus is bringing it back. He's going vintage. He hasn't done this miracle for a long time. The disciples are getting hyped because he's got this basin of water. He's got, they're like, he is saving the best wine for last, the last supper, the last wine. This is going to be unbelievable. Peter's like, yeah, I'm going to dip into that. It's going to be so good. And so they're, they're looking with anticipation at Jesus, and he's got this, this towel and he's got the basin of water, and then uh, he does something a little unexpected. He kneels down in front of the disciples, and he begins to start washing their feet, which is so gross. And they're like, wait, what? So does that mean he's not turning water into wine? I don't know if anyone's going to have some uh, family dinners uh, next week. I had one yesterday celebrating a whole bunch of birthdays and Easter and all these kinds of things. And there's nothing worse than at a family gathering when somebody unexpected or new to the group stands up and starts clearing dishes. Because what happens is the entire establishment and equilibrium of the family function is now disturbed. And you're sitting at the table going, oh, man, this person is the new guy, uh, probably dating somebody, just trying to make a good impression, is clearing the dishes. And I don't normally do this here. But now if I don't, I'm going to look like a terrible individual. And it begins to disrupt the whole process of everything. I'm just usually waiting for the coffee to come to the table. But now I'm forced to get up. I'm digesting still. I need to get up because now I'm going to look like a fool. So now I'm clearing dishes and we don't know where it goes. It's getting stacked in the wrong place because you don't want to look like the joker who's not the person clearing the dishes because the new guy is shaming you. You know, it's like all this pressure is there. Who, who 
does that, who, who changes the equilibrium of my family environment? It is disturbing. It's disturbing. And you just don't want to look bad. You know, you're just like, I guess I'm going to have to do this. Now, if I'm Jesus and I'm aware that I'm spending my last few moments, uh, like my last week on earth with the disciples, I'm also aware that I don't want to be spending it if it's me cleaning out people's toe jam. Like, that's not what I want to be doing. I don't want to be, if it's me, because I'm, a, I'm a not a good person. So I'm like, I, I think we should like spend time together. I shouldn't be washing your feet. Today is actually a day that's known as Palm Sunday. Uh, and if we roll back one chapter to John chapter 12, and I just need to throw this out there. If you don't have a paper Bible, and if you want to be able to read it for yourself, if you have the Version Bible app, you can click on the events button, uh, oh, sorry, more, and then events, and you'll see Engage City Church. We've got all of this preloaded onto your phone for you. John chapter 12 This moment called Palm Sunday, we're celebrating today, and this is the first, the original moment of Palm Sunday. One chapter earlier, the next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him. They started uh, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Now to paint the picture, literally he's, he's riding into town. The next verse says that he, he's, Jesus found a young donkey and he sat on it, a colt, and it is written, do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. Jesus is literally coming into the city. Word gets out, Jesus is coming to Jerusalem. So he gets on a donkey, like a colt, like a pony, and he's riding into the city and people are throwing palm branches onto the road and they're throwing them onto the street and they're started cheering, Hosanna, 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 which uh, a best transliteration that we could, could give for you is save us or save us now or the Savior is coming, the Savior is here. It's a Jewish exclamation and it's a Jewish uh, 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 um, thing that they were just like, yell, Hosanna, Hosanna. It's celebratory. It's like, yes, my Savior has come. It's kind of what we cheer at Oilers games when Connor McDavid gets more than two goals. It's like, yes, Hosanna, but so much better. They're cheering in the streets, throwing palm branches on the ground. See, the, the interesting thing is that the original red carpet was actually a green carpet because it was the green Palm branches making way for royalty, perceived royalty as they entered the city. But it also says this in Matthew 21, verse 8. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. People literally started taking their jackets off and throwing it on the ground. Just took the jackets off. And the palm branches, and it's like... You can't even let the donkey's foot hit the ground because it's, you're, you're too worthy. You're too amazing. Now, we have a hard time wrapping our, our minds around this kind of moment because it's like, I don't know if there's anyone in my life that I would like take my jacket off for and put it on the ground, you know? And uh, we have this moment where Jesus enters the room and he enters the city in the most surprising of ways and and the truth is that sometimes he enters our lives in the most surprising of ways. 
Now the context of all of this is Jesus is there washing their feet. And Simon Peter in verse 6, he says to Jesus, Lord, you, are you going to wash my feet? You can't. You can't wash my feet. And he's remembering the events of yesterday, the fanfare, the crowds, people chanting their names. He's, he's remembering the palm branches and the coats being thrown on the ground. This awareness that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that Jesus is like so amazing and so huge and so great that he is so epically amazing. He's like, Lord, you can't wash my feet. And, and, and at first glance, it looks like it's this dose of humility for Peter for once. It's like, Lord, you can't do this. You can't wash my feet. They're filthy. They're gross. Have you seen that like wart? Like disciples foot. You know, it's what I have. It's gross. It's sick. It's not, it's not good. He's like, Lord, you can't wash my feet. You can't. It's like, Lord, do you know who you are? Jesus, do you know who you are? They chant your name in the streets. But the implication here is not that Peter was just saying, Lord, do you know who you are? But in a moment, Peter was also saying, Jesus, do you know who I am? Do you know that I'm the guy, the right-hand guy to the guy that they're calling people's name in the street? I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a big deal. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of important. Jesus, do you know that like you can't do this to me? I should be doing this to you. And just like the awkward relative at the family gathering who clears the table, this is kind of changing things for me. And if you're doing that, then I should be doing this. And I don't want to do it because I'm the right hand guy. Do you remember Jesus when you said, this is my rock and on the church that I'm going to build my church on this rock? Peter, he's like, I am kind of a big deal. You cannot wash my, you're a bigger deal, but I'm a big deal. And if you do this, I have to do this. And that makes me uncomfortable. The reason we know that these Peter is skewed this way is because there's a stark contrast. Jesus, the, the incoming king of the, the earth who's coming into Jerusalem, comes riding on a donkey with humility and just kind of starts washing people's feet, whereas a few moments before in Luke chapter 22, the disciples were literally having a conversation amongst themselves about who is the greatest, literally. Then they began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. It's kind of like the back seat of your parents' van on a road trip, and you're like, no, I'm the best. No, I'm the best. And your sister's like, no, I'm the best. And your mom's like, I'm the best. Shut your mouth. <laughs> it's time to keep the road trip going. But they're like, literally, we are amazing because we're near Jesus. And the amazing Jesus Christ gets down before them and starts washing their feet. And he's like, no, listen, you're not amazing. He said, what's amazing is this incredible thing called grace. It's not just Jesus that's here washing your feet. It's this thing called grace that's washing away the grime and the dust and all the stuff that you've picked up on the journey of the day. It's here to wash you clean. It's here to wash it all the way. We're washing away the dust in this water in this one symbolic act Jesus replied verse 7 you don't understand now what I'm doing but someday you will verse 8 no Peter protested you will never ever wash my feet and Jesus replied unless I wash you you won't belong to me you won't belong to me and Peter's like oh boy I've really stepped into another one here you won't belong to me. Now, as we've been looking at this idea of grace, we, you might remember if you're with us for the first time, 
The, the, the Greek word for grace is this word charis, and the primary definition of the word is favor and unmerited favor and un, un, unearned favor, like everybody's the teacher's pet kind of favor, like, yes, that's, you've been chosen, that kind of thing. But what comes along with this definition is that this word, secondary definition, literally means to stoop or to bend in kindness. And so we see encapsulated in a moment, Jesus, who days before, people were shouting his name in the streets, throwing their clothes and their whatever they could onto the road before him in celebration, chanting his name. Jesus, who came from God, his literal thought before he started serving people was like, oh, I came from God. I'm going back to heaven. Uh, I have dominion and authority over the whole world. Now, if I have authority and dominion over the whole world, I'm not washing people's feet. I'm like blowing things up with lightning bolts. But Jesus' first thought is I need to serve and I need to stoop and I need to bend down and I need to personify and demonstrate what grace looks like. I need to show you what it looks like where Jesus himself bends down and takes the wash bucket and starts scraping your toes and all the calluses and all the gross stuff that happens during a pedicure. The most supernatural pedicure of all time. Now, we don't quite understand if we just jump into it here. We're like, why on earth is anyone's feet being washed? I don't get it. I don't understand it. Let me break it down for you why this makes sense. Does anyone like to wear sandals in the summer? Okay. Is that a yes? Okay. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Appreciate that. If you like to wear sandals in the summer, has anyone come in at the end of the day and you're like, oh boy, this is a disaster. And your feet are disgusting and they're sick and they're so gross and there's like sand and grime and stuff stuck in places that you didn't know existed on your foot and you're like, wow, this is a problem for everybody. And if you're like me, my wife is like, do not take another step in this house until you sort yourself out. And I'm like, give me a baby wipe? Like, what do you want me to do? I don't, I don't know. Now, everybody traveled by foot in those days. Everybody wore sandals. And so it was commonplace that as you went places from place to place to place, that your feet might get a little bit dirty. And what was very common was when you entered somebody's home, especially for a dinner party, this was a home that was used for events, and there was normally a, a servant at the door, sometimes a slave, who would stand at the door, bend down, and as you entered the room, you would take off your sandals, and somebody would customarily just wash the dirt off your feet. It's like, yeah, it's like a pedicure every time you arrived. It's like, oh, that's, this is premium service. Now, part of the reason that they had to do this is because they ate at reclining tables, which means everyone was on pillows, and the food and the table was low in the middle, and you would lean, and your feet were kind of next to, like, somebody else's face and the food at the same time. And so the grossness of your dirty, disgusting feet warranted somebody to wash it. Now, this was a closed dinner party. This is a closed function. This is not for the public because Jesus already understands there's a hit out on him. And when there's a hit out on you, you don't just let all the staff in. You're like, listen, we're going to take care of ourselves. So the disciples are sitting around this table, but nobody and everyone's looking at everyone else's feet going, this is so gross. I can't believe we didn't hire somebody to wash somebody else's feet. 
Like, if Seb's feet were near the grapes that I was about to eat, I would be really grossed out, too, even if somebody washed them. And, but they're like, man, I wish somebody would. Everyone's doing this thing where they're looking around the table going, somebody should do this. And Jesus does. He literally takes the dirt and the grime that's been accumulated over the day, and he washed it clean. All the stuff that they just picked up, it was just the dirt of the day, the errands from this store and the dirt on this place and just the grime. It was just the stuff that got on you during the day. Now, the picture of grace is something as simple as this. Lamentations 3 says that God's mercy, his faithfulness, and his grace is new every morning, every single morning. So every single day, Every single morning, Jesus comes to you and I, and he says, can I wash off the dirt of the day? Can we start fresh together? Can I just wash clean that hurt, that pain, that insecurity, that bondage, that addiction. Can I wash clean that mistake that you made over here? Can we wipe the slate for just a moment? Today, can I wash off the dirt of the day? And he stoops down in kindness in the same way that he did to the disciples 2,000 years ago, and he just begins to touch the untouchables. Now, in this moment... Peter's pride almost kept him from receiving grace. It's like, no, 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 you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't touch this. Do, 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 do. Exactly. And I just wonder what's keeping me from receiving his grace today. Oh, you can't touch that area. Jesus, that's, I keep this anger in a box over here on a chain over here just in case I need it. Like this is from my life 15 years ago, but I like to keep this thing just over here as a protection measure because one day somebody might wrong me and I might need to let this thing loose, like let this thing go. So I just occasionally feed it every once in a while. I feed my anger. I feed my rage. I keep it boiling under the surface. Oh no, you can't touch that, Jesus, because I might need that later. He says, aren't I your defender? Doesn't my scripture say that you can find refuge in the shadow of my wings, that vengeance is mine, it's not yours, that you're going to actually, this thing is going to eat you alive, it's not going to eat somebody else, it's going to eat you up. We're like, no, 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 you can't touch that, you can't wash that, you, 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 you can't, no. Oh, you can't touch, Jesus, this thing over here, this, this abuse, I like to hide behind it, I like to reminds me of my station in life that I'm not good enough, that I'm not enough, that I'll never be enough. And for some reason, that's oddly comforting. And Jesus says, I didn't create you to hide. I created you to shine bright. And if you would just let me wash the dirt of the day, you could step forward and be the person that you were 
created to be. I'm not amazing. Jesus is amazing, but he points us to this one thing called grace. That is so amazing that takes my pain and my mistakes and my sorrows and my insecurities. And he says, let me just wash from you today the dust of the day. I wonder... What's keeping me from receiving that grace today? After Jesus spoke, verse 9, Simon Peter exclaims, If that's the case, if what you just said is true, then wash my head and wash my hands and wash my feet. Wash all of me. Don't just take care of my feet. Take all of me, Jesus. I'm in desperate need your grace. What's so amazing about grace is that grace comes down. It stoops down in kindness. And when we can't even look ourselves in the eye, it begins to wash away all the pain, all the insecurities. You might even have been wondering, you're like, how does that person make it through? How do they make it through all these struggles, all these troubles, all these problems, all this drama? How did they make it? How did they make it? I can tell you a secret. One of the secrets is this, that Jesus comes every single day. His mercy is new every morning. And every single day, he wants to come and meet you and wash away the dust and the dirt and the grime from the day. He wants to walk, wash away all the things that we're so used to carrying. He says, now nah, let's just let it go. Every day, he's like, just come and let it go. I'm going to wash you clean. I'm going to wipe it clean. I'm going to wash it all the way. And so every day we hit the reset button and every day we take another step forward. We don't get bogged down. We don't get burdened by the things that happened yesterday. We trust forward in Jesus and we walk forward and we follow him one step at a time because he's coming to take care of my baggage. He's coming to take care of my burden. He's coming to take care of my pain. He's coming to take care of my past. He's coming to take care of my mistakes. He's coming if I would let him to come and offer me grace today. But he wasn't finished there. Verse 12, that after washing their feet, he put his robe on again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. You want to know the secret to not being burdened by baggage. You want to know the secret to not letting all those things stack up and add up and be boiling under the skin that just causes you to erupt. The secret is not only does Jesus come to wash me clean daily, that not only does he come to rid me of my own dirt and my own grime and my own dust, but because I know what he's done for me, he says that we can now be the type of people who offer grace forward. We're grace-filled 
gracious people who say, listen, you're not defined by your mistake. You're not defined by your past. I'm willing to give you some grace in this moment because grace has been given to me over and over and over again. And while our normal natural mind says there must be some limit to this grace, my heart knows that there is no limit to this thing that we've called this amazing So I just wonder today, what's keeping me and you from receiving this thing 